Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour on the topic of thrush and canker in horses with Dr. Craig Lesser of Rudin Ridley Equine Hospital in Kentucky. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Merck Animal Health. Dr. Lesser is an AFA certified farrier. He graduated from Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine in 2015. Following the completion of an internship at Anokia Equine, he moved to Lexington to complete a podiatry fellowship at Rudin Ridley Equine Hospital and joined the practice as an associate. He is now a shareholder in the practice. Thank you, Dr. Lesser, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about thrush and canker in horses. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start by talking about thrush. What is thrush and why should veterinarians be on the lookout for it? Yeah, thrush is something we commonly see in horses. Uh, it's an infection of either the central sulcus or the collateral sulci of the frog. Um, traditionally a bacterial infection, but occasionally it will have some fungal components. Um, and a lot of horses have it and it kind of goes undiagnosed and untreated until it becomes an issue. Um, so as part of our regular exam, that's definitely something to look into, whether this horse has a deep central sulcus and maybe has an infection deep within that central sulcus that we probably should treat before it becomes a true issue. Now, is thrush something, I mean, you, you have a tendency to work on really nice horses, and it used to be the old wives' tale was, you know, oh, thrush only happens in horses that stand in muck and mud, and that's just really not true, is it? No, unfortunately, it's not. You know, as much as it is environmental, uh, part of it is conformational as well. So horses that aren't engaging their frogs. So some horses that have really club feet and deep central sulcus, they're more prone to developing thrush as well. And we'll see it in everything from top end show horses to backyard horses. Okay. And when you see something or the, the maybe the, the owner or the manager says, hey, something just doesn't look right or smell right in this horse's foot. I mean, how do you go about diagnosing thrush or what gives you the idea when you're talking to an owner or manager? Hey, this horse may have an issue. Is it lameness? Is it smell? Is it something goopy in the foot? What is it? Yeah, usually lameness isn't or thrush doesn't cause lameness for the most part until it's pretty severe. So. When we first diagnose this, it's usually because the frog doesn't quite look right. Uh, occasionally it gets mixed diagnosed because frogs actually tend to slough twice a year. Um, so people will occasionally think that, oh, my horse has thrush when it's actually just the frog going through its natural cycle. Usually what I'm seeing is there's some extra moisture, maybe some reddening within the frog itself, usually starting within that central sulcus. But especially in those feet that have heels that are really contracted, it's kind of hard to see down inside that central sulcus to see if there's actually thrush. So, you know, making sure that when your farrier comes out and trims up your horse, they really clean up that frog nicely, especially that central sulcus can be really helpful in one, preventing, but two, diagnosing and treating uh, thrush. And so let's just walk a little bit about when you, as a veterinarian and a farrier, so you have, you've got a great uh, toolkit to come at this problem. So when you walk in and whether you've known it or not before you pick up that horse's foot and you see it, what steps do you go through to take care of this? So the first thing I do is I trim up, trim up the frog really aggressively. Um, so I want to remove any dead tissue, any tissue that might be able to trap bacteria. So I have a nice, healthy looking frog. Um, after that, it kind of depends on severity. Um, if it's just some very mild thrush, I'll use uh, some iodine-based products or some ones on the market that are purple and they stain everything and it really makes you feel like you're doing a lot. 
but there's a lot of other products out there we can use too. Um, some of these horses, uh, I'll start with soaking their feet with some iodine to try and dry it out. Um, but the first step is, is completely to trim up the foot and get it to the point where we can actually treat it. Okay. And what if it's a more severe case? What are you doing there? Yeah. So in the more severe cases, um, with really deep central sulcus, one will, you know, we'll start with cleaning them up again. Uh, a lot of times I'll take a four by four and I'll almost floss out that central sulcus. So uh, you'll be able to fit that four by four deep in within the sulcus and clean up both edges of it. Uh, and that kind of does a light debridement on that tissue. And then after that, uh, we can add in some uh, iodine to that to continue to debride that area, but also with some antiseptic. Uh, if it's deep enough, I'll actually at times pack that area with another four by four with some medication on it. Uh, there's also some people like using some of the mastitis uh, paste uh, like t- today and tomorrow for treatment. Um, I- I've used some copper sulfate, which really dries out and kind of deprives that area as well. There's a whole variety of treatment options with the basis of most of them being drying agents. Okay. And if you're not a farrier and you're a veterinarian and you see this issue, what is your instruction to the owner or when you're talking directly to the farrier, what are you telling them about? Yeah, I, I, I usually talk directly to the farrier, you know, I, and I would say, hey, like we're just seeing some fresh here. Do you mind opening it up a little bit further next time? And then discuss, you look at the environment too, uh, especially when you're discussing with the owner. That's a huge part of it is these horses, if they're turned out in this big, beautiful field, but right by the gate, it's a mud hole. Uh, discussing the owner may maybe we need to change some of these environmental things because yes your horse is in this nice dry field but when it stands by the gate ready to come in for a few hours every day they're standing in this mud hole so there's definitely some things trimming wise you can talk to the farrier about and and a lot of your especially good farriers will notice it and been frustrated with it for a while Um, so then talking to the owner trying to be an advocate for the the horse and the farrier uh, to the owner can be really helpful as well what are some of the complications you might see from thrush? Yeah, so, you know, it can continue to get worse. So we can have these frogs deteriorate to the point that they're sensitive uh, and then cause some lameness from there. Uh, that's that's usually the biggest thing that we see. Um, I have had some horses that have uh, had some bleeding from them um, and just overall just continued infection. I have had one or two horses get a little cellulitis from them as well. So. Uh, just further infection is always my biggest concern. And is there anything else about thrush either? And I loved your environmental tips. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we had a little uh, communication glitch on the Internet while we were recording this. So I, I would like you to maybe go over some of the environmental things again. Um, so if when you're talking to owners and you look at the environment, you said you see a beautiful pasture and a big mud hole by the gate or the water or whatever it is where horses congregate. What might you, you know, suggest to it as a veterinarian to the owners? Yeah, so a lot of horses like to congregate in certain areas, like you said. So they may have this nice dry field or a nice dry stall, but there might be a spot within it that gets wet. Um, and unfortunately, that's usually where the horses tend to congregate. So bringing in some class I sand or just re- reworking those areas can be really helpful to get those horses out of that wet environment. Same thing with horses that have a pond uh, in their field. Some horses just love playing in the pond and then they play in the mud on the side of the pond. 
And while their legs may dry off and they look good, those feet just sit, sit there and they're just full of moisture the entire day. And that's a big fight. So, you know, part of it is making sure we pick out feet a lot too. Horses that are prone to thrush, you know, usually what I tell people is pick feet out twice a day at minimum. Um, and then apply some sort of thrush treatment to them twice a day while doing that as well. Okay, that's a great tip. And now we're going to talk about something that's not quite as common in horses, but I think when you and I were talking before we started, you said probably every vet's going to see at least one of these cases in their life, and that's a canker. Can you tell us what that is and what veterinarians might see? Yeah, canker is hands down my least favorite disease. I I would deal with laminated courses all day, every day, instead of dealing with canker. It's it's a tough disease. Um, and hey, it's usually misdiagnosed. You know, uh, unfortunately, most people think it's really bad thrush, um, and it usually gets seen by a veterinarian or two, and then a few farriers as well before we come to this diagnosis. Because yes, we talked. We had one slide in veterinary school about it, and it's something that veterinarians may see once in their career. So it's, it's a very rare thing to see. And because of that, a lot of times goes untreated for a little while. Um, and traditionally it's thought to be seen in draft horses only. Um, but unfortunately I've seen it in everything from thoroughbreds, to quarter horses, uh, top end dressage horses and everything in between. So while traditionally it is in those bigger footed horses, it can be in a variety of other things as well. Um, what is it though? And that, that's still a question. We, we don't know. Um, it was originally thought to be a cancer, uh, and that's where it kind of got its name from. But since then, there's been some research thinking that it might be caused by a viral infection from bovine. There's some people that think it's a mixed bacterial infection. And unfortunately, we don't have a great answer to the exact cause. Um, so that's why we kind of shotgun treat it. Um, and we have to be pretty aggressive with treatment. And when you are looking at it and let's say you've basically as a veterinarian and, and you you think, OK, well, this is the worst case of thrush I've ever seen. And so you start working on how do you actually diagnose it as canker? So you can take biopsies and send it off um, and and get results back and saying that it is uh, canker. Uh, but usually I do diagnose it just based off of how it looks. Um, the um it will have a very coliform looking so it'll be white uh but it will also be very brittle and bleed easily it's usually not painful as well most of these horses are not lame from it but it definitely can cause um a, a lot of bleeding a lot of it, that's oftentimes what you hear is we were dealing with thrush but the horse is bleeding randomly and it's very sensitive to the touch work on your summer scan Enter for the chance to win a Global Pocket Reader Plus in Merck Animal Health's Sizzlin' Summer Sweepstakes Giveaway. The Global Pocket Reader Plus is an ISO-compliant universal microchip scanner for horses. It is able to read and store up to 3,000 unique microchip identification numbers and displays and stores microchip temperatures when reading biothermo microchips. Enter before August 31, 2022 by going to www.merck-animal-health-usa.com forward slash species, forward slash equine, forward slash summer hyphen sweepstakes. And do they get lame from canker? 
they can, you know, especially as Kanky gets worsened. Uh, I've, I've seen it invading in the hoof wall itself. Um, and when it breaks down the hoof structurally, it definitely can cause some lameness. But initially, it usually doesn't cause much lameness. Okay. And when you're a veterinarian, especially maybe a, a younger veterinarian who hasn't been out in the field and seen as many horses, or maybe you just you graduated from Texas and now you're in Pennsylvania and there's a bunch of draft or draft crosses around and you really haven't dealt with that before. I mean, what are you on the lookout when you pick a foot up and you're trying to decide if it's thrush or canker? Now, I guess my biggest thing would be get used to using a hook knife um, and clean up the frog a little bit and see what it looks like. Because if you kind of scratch on the frog a little bit with thrush, it's probably not going to bleed much, if at all. But if you just sort of bump into canker, usually it starts bleeding. Um, and then the, the kind of white outer covering of it is usually a big sign of it as well. Uh, once it gets dirty, it can, it can necrose a little bit more and look a little bit different. Um, but it, it's usually more of a proliferative disease um, than thrush, which is more of a necrotic disease. And is there anything that you would like to say as, as someone who is straddling the two professions of farrier and veterinarian, Maybe a couple of words of advice on how to better work between the farriers and the veterinarians. I know you have a great working relationship with the farriers in your area. They all speak very highly of you. But how do you <laughs> how do you as a veterinarian help uh, help them work a little better with the, the farriers or maybe get the farrier to pick up the phone or tell the owner, hey, you really should call the vet on this? Honestly, just being a resource, you know, and that's, I, I live in a funky little world, I know, but being a resource for a farrier is, is why I've built a lot of my practice is they are now my larger referral base because they realize that I'm not going to throw them under the bus. I'm going to hopefully help them do a better job for these horses and their clients. Um, and at the end of the day, they're still going to have the clients. Um, so, you know, offering to take radiographs, if you're at the barn with the farrier and the, and the horse is acting badly, you know, maybe suggest to the farrier or the owner that, hey, maybe we should sedate this horse for your farrier because he's kind of getting beat up. Um, you know, so just being that resource is a huge factor and, and it's a practice builder. You know, most farriers see their clients every four to eight weeks versus you as a young veterinarian may see a client once every year or maybe twice. So the fact that the farrier is there, they have a huge trust in that farrier. Uh, that they may not have built in you, and that farrier can really instill a lot of trust in you for that client. So just just make sure that you realize that they can be a practice builder or a practice <laughs> destruction. Boy, that that that's true, and it's that's why I wanted to bring that up because you you do have such a good reputation with all the farriers, which sometimes in some areas of the country that's not the case. It, you know, but it it really is exactly what you said. They can they can be a great referral to you because they see the horse so often, and it may not even be a foot problem. I know farriers that have seen a horse come in and go, "Yeah, that horse is lame, and it's not its feet. You really should call your vet." Yeah, no, I and actually I, I lean on farriers quite a bit with especially with our metabolic diseases because they see these horses all the time and the owners don't know what's going on. They're the professional that's there. So a lot of them can at least have the hint of, hey, we probably ought to get somebody else in here to take a look when the owner may not even know what equine metabolic syndrome is. But as a professional, most farriers do understand the, the disease at least uh primarily. Yeah, because a, a lot of times it, it will, you know, these metabolic diseases will manifest in something in the feet. Mm -hmm. So 
That's a, a great clue to that, or even just, you know, noticing because they aren't seeing them every day that, oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's June and your horse hasn't shed out too well. Or, yeah, this horse has had to, you know, pee six times while I've been here and, and getting ready to work on it or whatever. So that's, that's a great tip. So, Dr. Lesser, do you have any final words for veterinarians or techs or, you know, as they're out in the field on either one of these diseases, thrush or canker? Well, both of them are very treatable diseases, um, but both of them also heavily rely on owner aftercare and compliance. Um, if we do a canker debridement in the field and do whatever treatments we want to do and then have the owners continue with bandage changes following up, honestly, my usual success rate is about 50%. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of owners get tired of doing bandage changes and they start slipping on them and then uh, thrush or sorry, the canker ends up coming back uh, worse or just as bad as it was before, if not worse. Um, and then we're back to square one. Um, so that's really frustrating. But you know, from a very much lesser level, thrush is the same way. If owners don't keep up with aftercare, are they're not going ahead and picking feet daily? Uh, thrush can come back pretty quickly as well. So both diseases really depend on aftercare, and I, I try to stress that pretty hard with owners. Uh, on that first visit to make sure that they are keeping up with it um, because otherwise we aren't going to be successful. And one last question, because I've heard this, you know, the, the old timers will say, well, if one horse on the property has thrush, probably more horses have thrush. So they always thought it was contagious or infectious. But that's not really the case, is it? No, not anymore. We don't, we don't really think that anymore. Um, yes, there's a large environmental factor to it. But uh, we'll see horses with it in just one foot in fields of 10 horses. Same thing with canker. Um, uh, and because of that, we, that's why we don't fully understand canker itself is because horses could have it in one foot uh, and no other horse in the field could have it or a horse could have it in all four feet. Um, so we don't quite understand that. Same thing with thrush. It doesn't seem like it's a disease that seems to transfer between horses uh, at all. So I want to go back to one thing you mentioned earlier that I thought was a really good tip was the confirmation of the foot. When you said if they were a little clubby or the frogs were a little deep, that, you know, that's something maybe the veterinarian should just notice and do a little extra check on that. Yeah, the confirmation of the foot is something that we often avoid as veterinarians. Uh, there's lots of little subtle things in the foot that can tell us a lot about the risk of the horse, but also can indicate some issues that we might be seeing in the future. Um, so when horses aren't engaged in the frog, just like any other muscle in the body, I guess, um, it, it, it atrophies. Uh, when it atrophies, it's not as healthy. And when it's not as healthy, it's more prone to these infections. So a lot of these horses with uh, frogs that are uh, retracting to the foot, a lot of them will have some thrush associated with them. And no matter how many topicals we put on them until they're re-engaged, we often struggle to get that thrush under control. Okay. And is there any last words that you have? I know we, we've kind of done this before, but we keep coming up with some great things that you, that you want to add about this. Yeah. You know, as a, as a veterinarian, don't be afraid to use your farriers as resources. You, you'd be amazed what the professional farriers in your areas know and what they can help you with and make you look like a rock star as well. So if you're running into some of these difficult cases, definitely have a few farriers you like to work with and work well with you that can help you out with them because uh, they may have seen this before and you may not have. Well, that's a great 
uh, piece of advice, Dr. Lester. And thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Disease Du Jour. And we want to thank our listeners for joining us today. And a special thanks to our 2022 sponsor, Merck Animal Health. We invite you to listen and rate past episodes of Disease Du Jour on your favorite podcast network. And if you have any questions or suggestions, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. Disease Du Jour is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.